0: All right, we're here on CityCast Las Vegas with a frequent visitor to our city, someone who proclaims and professes love. And I'll tell you, if you listen to his podcast, Chef Demony, you will get that feeling as well. I think he really does capture not just the essence of the visitor enjoying what Las Vegas has to offer, uh, but really doing the deep dive to want to understand what it's really all about. Um, I am very happy to welcome Graham McLennan of Chef Demony. Welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. It's wonderful to be here, David. Thank you for having me. That is a very kind and
1: generous introduction. I'm hesitant to to mess it up by offering testimony of my own in answer to your questions after that more than kind intro. but,
0: but Well, they'll be light and easy questions. All right. Thank goodness. Look, I, I'm really enjoying your podcast. Yeah, you know, I I saw you on Twitter, which is where a lot of people see people that they want to find out more about, you know, as a lawyer myself, always interested in seeing lawyers doing something non lawyerly. I mean, I think it's kind of ingrained in us. They don't teach us that in law school. But boy, all my colleagues are like, I can't wait to not be a lawyer in law school It's the best. So but I'm really enjoying I enjoyed uh, the episode you did over at the Plaza when you were up in Oscar Steakhouse with a group of people, a lot of fun. So tell me how did you start your podcast, Chef demoni, and the lawyer food thing? Tell me what that's all about
1: <laughs> Sure. And you know what you've you've really touched on the main point, which is virtually every lawyer I've ever met wants to be something else. you know, yeah, I'm a bankruptcy and insolvency litigator, but really I'm a screenwriter. that's what that's what I love. that's what my passion is. And so I had been practicing for about nine years and I had always loved cooking. I had this thought in the back of my head. Have I did I make a mistake going to law school? Was I supposed to be a chef? So I just approached a chef who's now my my long term mentor, Chef Andrea Carlson in Vancouver. And I said, you know, listen, chef, can I come to your kitchen and learn how to cook? And I won't oversell my skills here at all. I'll stand in the corner and peel potatoes which is what I did when chef welcomed me to her kitchen and I went back and I went back and that led to me exploring other restaurants and getting to know the culinary scene really, really well to the point that I actually stepped away from law entirely for a couple of years. And I worked as a professional cook. I had some stages, which is sort of this French industry term for for unpaid internships uh, at other restaurants, including a couple in Las Vegas. And it was just a wonderful time of my life. But then I came back to the practice of law that was in 2017, and I still enjoy it. I, I, I still value the career. There's a lot about it I love, but I was missing the culinary scene. So that's why I started Chef Timon. He really has a lifeline to that culinary scene to keep me connected with chefs. But, you know, to your earlier point about Lawyers having this creative side. So many lawyers I know are so passionate about food. And I thought, well, let's talk to them too and get a different perspective. So that's really what it is. I mainly talk to chefs, uh, but also some food loving lawyers. And it's all coming from a place of selfishness. I just want to stay connected to that culinary community. (laughs)
0: Well, it's a fun journey. I mean, it's a it's a new angle on on a culinary journey. And, uh, you know, goodness knows we have so many different kinds of food shows, and it definitely uh, pulls out a very unique aspect of it. I want to know about your connection to Vegas, because you do seem to have a bit of a love for us. And I'm also curious as to which restaurants you worked at when you were here or what chefs you worked with when you were here. So what's the Vegas connection? Tell me all your Vegasness.
1: All my Vegasness. It really started, the, the restaurant connection started in 2010, and just like in Vancouver, I approached a chef in Las Vegas. Uh, it took some finding to get through to the general manager of the restaurant, who eventually put me uh, in touch with chef, who is uh, Chef Julian Serrano at Picasso uh, in the Bellagio. And uh, no, I did a yeah. couple of stints there. Oh,
0: you didn't start light. You went right. <laughs> Worth it. No, went went heavy. And
1: again, you know, look, I'm peeling potatoes. I'm doing, doing whatever the team needs done. Um, that was an amazing experience. And then on a later trip in 2014, I was having breakfast every day at the bar at Bouchon Bistro in the Venetian. And so same thing again. I mm-hmm. asked to talk to chef. One of my favorites too. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful spot. And so I talked to Joshua Crane, who is the, uh, was the chef de cuisine there, now the executive chef, and made the same pitch again, which was look, not overselling my skills but I would love to come in and join you if you can find find a potato for me to peel and so I went in there quite a few times he had me back and had me back I got to know some other members of the team there so that was my and and those are the two uh, restaurants that I've been to inside the kitchen in Las Vegas but there is such a community in Las Vegas and I think that is what I love most about the city both I know the culinary community there now quite well and I love meeting new members of it but there's this other community that exists outside of Las Vegas and it's a community of people like me from Canada from Britain from all over who love meeting up in Las Vegas and and the best example I can give you of that is the 360 Vegas podcast they host a an event called 360 Vegas vacation where a bunch of enthusiasts from around the world fly in, meet in Las Vegas, and experience the city. And so I'm coming next month in June to experience that. And I have no doubt it's going to be a ton of fun on the ground in Vegas. But the other thing it gives us is this ongoing connection when we're away from Las Vegas, staying in touch with other people who love the city?
0: And it's so fantastic that you've tapped into that because, you know, really it is just sort of the flash of the, the known places, but coming back to get to know Vegas a lot more, That that's really something that we always hope for. And it's good to see that in folks like you, it's landed. Graham, I, I really do look forward to more talks with you and, and hearing uh, your podcast, Chef DeMoni, as you take further and greater adventures into the Las Vegas area. We are going to listen now to a guest episode of Chef Demoni for our listeners, and I'm sure that they're going to become big fans of yours really quick. Graham, thanks again for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, David.
1: Hello, CityCast Las Vegas listeners. I love listening to CityCast, and this is a real privilege to be here to introduce you to my show, Chef Timoni. As you heard in my discussion with David, Chef Timoni features interviews with chefs and food loving lawyers, and I also talk to other interesting folks from the wonderful world of restaurants and hospitality. Today, I've got two clips to share with you. The first, an interview with a chef, and the second, an interview with a lawyer, both of whom live and work in my favorite city in the world to visit Las Vegas, Nevada. First, you're going to hear from Josh Crane, who is the executive chef at Bouchon Bistro in the Venetian. Josh has been so kind to have me into his kitchen on many occasions over the years to join his team, helping out wherever I can as they create some of the most amazing food in Las Vegas. In this clip, you'll hear about just what a day at Bouchon can look like. You'll hear the inspiration that keeps Josh going in his career, and you'll even hear a little about how Josh got his start in this crazy industry here we go from the early days of chef timoni my talk with chef joshua crane this is from episode two bistro in the desert (music) chef first of all thank you for joining me and thanks for being on chef timoni absolutely my pleasure can you give the listeners, please, Chef, a sense of the scale of Bouchon and what it is you're doing there? If you can, walk us through a typical day, if there's anything like a typical day at Bouchon in Las Vegas.
2: Yeah, I mean, this, this one, I, I was fortunate to work at the original Bouchon in the Outville for the better part of nine years. And, and that was kind of what we always called the little engine that could. It was about 65 seats inside, maybe 15 outside very tiny. And, and this one here in Las Vegas is about 180 seats inside, another 60 outside. So we could fit about three of the originals <laughs> in your premises here. In, in this space. Correct. So, I, I mean, typical Vegas is always based around convention business. So there's a convention. We're super busy. If there's not, it can be a little bit quieter. So we can be anywhere from one day doing 150 covers for dinner right, to doing... 500 covers for dinner. Wow. (laughs) Which is a big, big swing. It is a big swing. And it's, um, you know, and we can do 500 for two or three days. And then the next day, you are back to 140 or 150 or 170. So the word typical is, (laughs) may not necessarily be able to be used, but we really just take it as it comes. And and it comes with a lot of planning, a lot of forethought. And, you know, we always use the term with us, collaboration. and, And it takes that collaboration from from all the managers and and the chefs and and even the team to sometimes it's just figure out how do we get through this week, right? How do we successfully operate this week? And for the next three days, this is what we have. We speak about it for weeks leading up or the few days ahead. And we just head into it together and figure out this is what we have to do to be successful and to give the best experience to the guest.
1: And that's something we were talking about just a few moments ago as we were sitting around the fire here and having a, a you know a really informal chat. But I found that interesting. Your commitment to the industry comes from a feeling you get out of serving the guests and making their day a little better. Maybe you could tell the listeners about the pre-shift meeting that you were describing to us and uh, sort of the inspiration for doing what you do. Yeah.
2: I mean, today was, was Easter. So typically I, I work the dinner shift, but being Eastern. And, and today was the first day that we tried a prefix menu for our brunch service. And our brunch service is, is a beast of its own. I mean, we average on the weekend six, seven, maybe 800 covers, which is is a healthy, a healthy, healthy, healthy amount. Number of covers. You know, driving in this morning, and, and sometimes you have those thoughts just driving into work or riding the train to work or whatever. But I was singing this morning of, it's really crazy that what we do is wake up at four in the morning or five in the morning to come in and and spend two hours getting ready to serve breakfast to 700 people. Right. And it's not normal by any standard, (laughs) No, but there's kind of two options in this is, is one, it could be a job for you. And if it is, I mean, it it, it could be a struggle at times, but for, for most of us in this business and, and at this level, what we do is, and Thomas talks about this all the time, is it's a craft. Yes. What we do is a craft. It's, it's not a job, it's a craft, which means we're able to continue to learn throughout the length of time that we do this. And at the end of the day today, our goal is to give, to make people happy, yeah. to give memories. So, you know, we wake up at four in the morning to in the end, make people happy. It's fulfilling to know that you make people happy and to see people walk out with a smile on their face and is great. This point about making people happy is a really important one. And young
1: as chef-demoni is, I'm encouraged to find that it's a theme among the chefs I'm talking to. Having worked in both law and cooking, I can say the careers are similar in one key way, which is that they are both plain hard work. They're also both glamorized for some reason, with TV shows dedicated to celebrity chefs and endless shows about fictional lawyers. A couple of years ago, I had a funny experience while working on the line at Burdock & Co. One of the other cooks asked me whether being a lawyer in real life was like being a lawyer on TV. I thought about that for a minute, about how to best answer the question, and then said, well, real law work is about as similar to TV law as working as a line cook is to being a celebrity chef on TV. The poor guy's face fell, but it's true. There is no good TV show to be built around 12 hours of document review or 12 hours of vegetable prep. There is just hard work. So that brings me back to Josh's point about making people happy. You can love working with food, but to get through those 12-hour or longer days, there has to be something more. And how fantastic that in cooking, it can be making people happy, giving them great memories. All right, let's get back to Chef Josh. And in this part of the interview, I talked to Chef about his start in the industry. Well, let's go back, please, Chef, to certainly before Las Vegas and to earlier days. Can you... Can you tell the listeners about when the idea of cooking professionally first came up for you?
2: I grew up in a family from both sides with good cooks. Nobody really professional. Mother's side was, was Czech and German. Father's side was German and Irish. But both sides had good cooks and enjoyed food, enjoyed wine. Maybe the wine a little too much sometimes. <laughs> but um, I, I never enjoyed school. The study aspect, I needed to be doing something with my hands. Mm-hmm. So my first job was as a busboy and I did that in a restaurant that was the nicest restaurant in town. The owner was friends with my grandfather, and I was in some weird way attracted to the weirdos in the kitchen more than I was the the guys in the front. The front of house, okay. So I just I, there was some gravitational pull that pulled me back to those guys in the back that were you know back in the day when you could smoke online and you know you put your <laughs> cigarette on the stove and played a couple dishes, a couple and couple picked, d- picked it back up. Yeah, so it it just i don't know there was there was an excitement about it there was the rush of that and a year later i started kind of moving into prep for them and prepping for banquets things like that and another year or two went by and i was supposed to be a rock star Okay. Hey. Um, but <laughs> me too, and it
1: somehow it didn't pan out for me. <laughs> yeah, I
2: know. I don't know what happened. I said to myself, "It's like, well, maybe I don't want to suffer those many years being poor and whatever, trying to be a rock star." But yeah. and were you
1: playing in a band at the time? Were you doing some playing?
2: I was in and out of a couple, yeah. yeah. And so I decided, well, at some point I needed a job, and sure. I, I I figured I needed to do something. So cooking was the only thing I'd done. I had done honestly Chili's and Olive Garden and Dairy Queen and Kentucky Fried Chicken and. In this other and they saw the restaurant and I finally decided, well, I should probably do something with my life. And yep. so I decided to go to culinary school. I went to the culinary institute in in New York and really the rest is history, I just it was I, I'd found my people.
1: Isn't that great? Finding his people. It's one of the things that I love most about the hospitality industry, that sense of family. Of community. I think it's a big part of why people build careers in an industry that is otherwise very, very challenging. All right, the lawyers. Here is a clip from episode 25 of Chef demoni my talk with Las Vegas attorney Laura Tucker. As you'll hear, Laura is a food enthusiast, she is a craft beer lover, and today she even wades into some dangerous territory comparing the craft beer scenes in Las Vegas and in Reno. Well, it's a beautiful Saturday morning, at least here in Gibsons, B.C. I'm looking out at the water and blazing sunshine, which is uh, very different from what it was two weeks ago on our wedding day. Uh, And I'm happy to be speaking to Laura Tucker remotely in Las Vegas. So, Laura, thanks very much for joining me and being on the show.
3: Yeah, thanks, Graham, for having me.
1: Now, Chef Timoney, as you know, is all about food, but your work as a lawyer sounds really interesting, so I just want to touch on it briefly. I understand you're a senior deputy attorney general with the Nevada Attorney General's Office in consumer protection. Can you just tell us a little bit about what your work is as a lawyer?
3: Yes, so... As you said, I work in the Bureau of Consumer Protection at the Nevada Attorney General's office. I have been there for pretty close to six years now. Basically, what I do is I investigate and prosecute deceptive trade issues. And the way that I always explain it to lay people is if someone is trying to sell you something and they tell you a lie while they're selling it to you, that's deceptive trade.
1: I understand you're fairly recently returned to Vegas, and we're definitely going to come to the Vegas food scene later in our talk. But perhaps we could start with you telling the listeners where you were before coming back to Vegas about a year ago, I think.
3: Yes. So I grew up here in Vegas. I've been here since I was three years old. And but about um, right when I started with the attorney general's office, I actually moved up to Reno, Nevada. And, and Reno,
1: I think you mentioned this, it was something and maybe still is something of a leader in an area that you're interested in, which is the the craft beer scene. Is that right?
3: Yes. Surprisingly, a lot of people may not realize this, but Reno has a really great craft beer scene. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's the mountains <laughs> or the water. <laughs> right. Um, but up there they, they have a lot of breweries for the number of people. I don't really know offhand uh, per capita, but that was one of the things that I was pleasantly surprised about when I moved up to Reno. I actually was not a beer drinker when I started law school, but I was I was introduced to craft beer from my boyfriend. Before that I'd never had craft beer. I'd only had you know the crappy stuff that <laughs> you get everywhere right. and what,
1: what a buddy of mine calls uh, macro brew.
3: Exactly. Yes. So I I was I got into beer here in Vegas. But when I moved up to Reno, it was a whole new world. They're very into their craft beer up there. There's a lot of different breweries, some really good, solid breweries up there.
1: Let's return to Vegas. And can you tell me you were away about five years? Is that right? Yes. Okay. What? What
3: Pretty you, much exactly
1: five exactly years. <laughs> five years. Okay. And what have the changes been? What have you noticed that's that's new and different in the Vegas dining scene since you've come back?
3: So definitely, just keeping in. I'll, I'll start just keeping with the craft beer vein and then move over to the food. Sure. But when I left Vegas, there were very few breweries. There were only a handful. And now I've come back, and there's a ton. There's actually two that I haven't been to yet that have opened. I'm going to one of the two tomorrow. But uh, the, the craft beer scene got a lot bigger. It's grown a lot, and there's some really great breweries here now. I would still will say it may not – it's not going to be a popular opinion because there's a little bit of a Vegas-Reno rivalry, but I think Reno is a little bit ahead of the curve on this one. Okay. Um. <laughs> But Vegas still has some really great breweries, which is, it's really nice. And people are very supportive. As far as dining, I, Vegas always had a really great food scene. It's one of the things I have always loved about it. And it's one of the things that I missed the most when I was living in Reno is that the food scene is not nearly as good. But I would say the way that um, the craft beer scene is um, in Reno with it being better, that it's it's kind of like... The reverse with the dining scene, where Reno was just starting to grow and get some really good dining when I left, oh. um, and it's still it's still got a long ways to go. But I think all of the uh, all of the tech people coming in is really helping the food scene there. But in Vegas, it's just truly an international city. Now I would say uh, my my boyfriend splits his time between L.A. and Vegas, so I also spend a decent amount of time in LA. And I think the Vegas food scene is just as diverse at this at this point as LA. Any kind of food that you can think of, we've got it here. And I have been, since I've come back, I've been so excited to try new restaurants. I've got a list um, and I'm slowly making my way through them to to just try out different things. One of the things is, that I really like is that there's a lot of lower cost options. And then of course Vegas has the really high cost restaurants as well. If you're on the strip or somewhere around the tourism areas, but there's some nice little uh, mom and pop places that are more affordable here too, where you can get some really awesome food.
1: Right. I've, I've noticed it, it seems to be getting more extreme. The difference between the strip and then off strip to, to make that very general division. And now there seem to be, apart from high prices, there are these controversial, what are they called, CNF charges or some concession fee charges. It basically seems the strip is doing everything it can to make things more expensive. But as soon as you step away even half a mile, uh, it's just a dramatically different scene and a dramatically cheaper scene.
3: Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, as a local we don't go on the strip that often anyway. Um there would be times when I wanted to celebrate like a great milestone in my life, you know, graduating from law school or something like that where you really want the the strip dining experience. And there's really nothing like the strip dining experience. It is it is world-class. It's awesome.
1: But but you are um, going to pay for it.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's it'll be really expensive. I I think that's one of the bigger things I've noticed since I've been back is Before, I would maybe occasionally go to the strip, and now I am pretty much absolutely avoiding it at all costs.
1: I'm finding the same as Laura these days. I pick the strip for those special occasions, and for those, the strip really can't be beat. Otherwise, the off-strip dining scene in Las Vegas really is something special. So, please join me for some more Chef Demoni and for some more Las Vegas. You can hear from Chef Jamie Tran of Black Sheep Las Vegas on episode 17, from Chef Brian Howard of Sparrow and Wolf, and Chef Daniel Ontiveros now of Carver Steak. They both joined me on episode 34, and you'll hear from lots of other Vegas enthusiasts, including some amazing podcasters, quite regularly on the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks to the CityCast team for having me on. I'm Graham McLennan, and I hope to see you again soon, right here on Chef Nimoni.